0: And the title of my message today is Fight Right. It's to fight right. How many of you have ever gotten in a fist fight? Come on, let's let's just get real. You're in church, you can't lie. You've been in in a fist fight. I'm surprised at the ladies that have been in a fist fight. (laughs) Lord help us. I ain't messing with the women around here. You're going to walk out with a black eye. I mean, I was the the, there was almost as many women that raised their hands as the men. I'm kind of like, whoa, bro, hold up. (laughs) But if you've if you've never really been in a fist fight, I mean, today people fight kind of on Facebook and it's really kind of uh, wimpy, Uh, you know. I mean, and it's like, come on, man. Like, let's meet. Let's let's not. I'm not saying that this is like I used to be, okay? I'm not teaching a new doctrine today, but, but it's like back in the day, it was like we didn't have Facebook. If you had trash talking against somebody, you talked over here, they talked over here, then you, your cronies told on you, right, because they wanted to see a good fight, and then they would set you up so that you would be face-to-face, and then they would, they would egg you on, right? Oh, bro, I look at him, bro. Think he, he thinks he can take you. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. And then what you do, you go in there, and you just start swinging for the fences, right? And you never know really who won because both parties walk away, and they go, I won. I all swole up, lick, Oh one. I want to share a story with you this morning of one of my not so proud moments. This was kind of in my backslidden days and I'm going to take one for the team this morning to hopefully give you a little bit of humor. But I was I was in a fist fight at the age of 18. I was uh, highly inebriated. (laughs) I'm going to try to clean it up as much as I can. I was tore up, <laughs> and, and me and all my buddies we were 18 years old, and we had just, you know, we were full of ourselves, and and we heard that there was this bar in, in, in Delcum, and we were all in Franklin, there was this bar in Delcum that, like, had it going on, you know what I'm saying, like, all the girls were there, so, you know, we were like, hey, we're going to Delcum, <laughs> so we, about eight or ten of us packed up in two cars, we took off to we were we were tore up before we even got there, can I say that in church? Okay, we were tore up before we even got there. We walked in, didn't need to buy no drinks. We, we were like, we're the drink. <laughs> and so we walk in, man, and then sure enough, it was like the promised land for a, an 18-year-old. It was like, bro, how come somebody didn't tell us about this sooner? And we're in there, and we, we're trying to talk to all these girls. Well, the local guys got offended. You know how it is back in the day, right? Oh, they're coming to, you know, steal our girls. And before you know it, there was this tension in the building and it was very, very packed from what I can remember and the pieces I picked up from other stories. And, and we're standing there and it's packed and people are kind of pushing around. And, and did I say I was pretty tore up? I was pretty tore up. And so we, we're in there and we're, and, 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 and then and the tension's rising and then all of a sudden somebody pushed somebody. And I'll give you the parts that I remember. I remember swinging. And I remember at one point, there was a blank ring around me. And there were just bodies on the ground. I was the biggest guy in the building. Back in those days, I was ripped up. I really looked good. I mean, you think I look good today. I really look good <laughs> there. And, 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 I'm, and I'm swinging. There's just bodies. And there's like this vacant ring around me. And I'm like, oh, I'm the man. I'm knocking suckers out. Huh? And then the police come in. The bouncers come in. And they drag us out. And I'm looking around. I'm going, And I see one of my buddies. goes, where, bro? Where's everybody at? And he goes, man, they all knocked out. I said, well, who knocked him out? And he looked at me and said, you did. I hit the wrong people. We didn't win. I felt bad. We're not going to fight like that today, right? That's not the kind of fighting I'm talking about. Please forgive me. I'm talking about fighting right. Come on, because all of us are in a fight. Look at your neighbor and say, we're in a fight. And I don't know, maybe you got in trouble for fighting when you was a kid, but listen to me, when you came into the kingdom of God, you were given a license to fight. To fight the right fight. I'll speak a little Christianese to fight the good fight. But it's, it's really to fight the right fight. And the enemy wants to drag you into a fight that you don't belong into. He wants to get you in a fight with other believers. He wants to get you in a fight with people. You're not supposed to fight with flesh and blood. I'm going to show you that in a second. We're supposed to fight the enemy. Our full-time enemy, the devil. Right? That's who we're supposed to be fighting against. Do we fight against the flesh? Yeah, we fight against our own flesh. Right? But our main enemy is the devil, and that's who we're supposed to be fighting against. But we need to fight the right fight. Because he's can he's, he's tricky. He'll, he'll get you and twist things around and try to get you in a fight with your spouse. Come on, somebody. He'll try and get you in a fight with your kids. And the whole time there's something bigger going on. But if you let him bring you into this little bitty old penny annie fight with somebody, then you're missing the bigger picture. Amen. We're called to fight and you better make no mistake about it. You are called to fight and you better be fighting. <laughs> if you're not fighting, then you're barely surviving. Can I say that? So let me tell you what, what, let me show you what Jesus said to us. I want to remind you of a few things that he told us because Jesus never sugarcoated anything. In fact, in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says this, I have told you all of this, that you may have peace Whereat in me here on earth, you will have many say many trials and sorrows but take heart because i have overcome the world jesus says listen you're going to find peace and you're only going to find it in me you're not going to find peace in this world you're going to find peace in your relationship with me and oh by the way then you're going to go through some stuff right you're going to have some enemies that come after you you're going to have some trouble say trouble Next chapter, verse 15, Jesus is saying this. He's in the middle of a prayer to his father. I strongly encourage you to read this prayer because Jesus is getting ready to leave the planet. And he's praying one last time to the father for us. Watch what he says. This is one portion of the prayer. Verse 15, he says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. So watch this. Jesus isn't in the business of taking you out of the trouble. He's in the business of protecting you from the evil one. Which means you're going to go through trouble. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to go through some more trouble. And look back and say, yeah, you too. We're going to go through some trouble. And I hate to tell you this this morning, but you're going to have to fight your way through it. Can I be honest with you? You're going to have to fight your way through it. Too many of us beg God to take us out of trouble. And when he doesn't, we get mad at him and we boo day, and we pout and we sit on the floor like a little baby does. Right. But God says, you just need to keep going and watch my hand on your life. I'll protect you from the enemy. And oh, by the way, I've already overcome the world. I've already overcome your trouble. Your trouble has already been overcome. Oh, you got to get that this morning. Just because it's trouble, just because it feels a certain way, doesn't mean that you're defeated. It doesn't mean that, that, oh, God doesn't love me. No, it means that he does love you because he trusts you with the trouble. I'm preaching better than you shouting this morning. But listen to me, just because you have trouble doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. You speed, you get a ticket, that's your own fault. I'm talking about if you're you're trying to advance the kingdom of God, you're preaching the gospel to people, you're loving on people, and you're getting trouble for that, you're going to have to fight your way through it. But let me give you a little bit of hope. You're not fighting by yourself. Let me tell you who's on your team. You don't have a big drunk guy swinging at everybody that's on his own team. You have Jesus who's fighting with you. You have the Holy Spirit who's giving you power to overcome the enemy. You've got other believers that you can cling arms with and say, come on, let's fight together. But if you're not connected, then you're probably fighting by yourself. That's another reason why we believe in spiritual connections and having spiritual family. It's because you need sometimes people to fight with you. If you're struggling in your marriage, you need somebody that can say, bro, you're a bonehead. Stop acting like that and she might like you. I've needed it. Sometimes you might need somebody to come alongside and you say, don't give up. Don't quit. I'm believing with you. One of the greatest blessings I receive as a pastor is when people come to me and say, Pastor, listen to me, I've been praying for you, everything's going to be all right. And they have no clue. I haven't told them anything about what I'm walking through. They just... They, I know that they've been carrying some weight of praying for me. I go, man, that gives me courage. That gives me strength. Jesus is with you, the Holy Spirit is with you, and God's believers are with you. Amen? You're not fighting by yourself. Say this with me, say, I'm in it, and it don't look like I'm getting out anytime soon. (laughs) When we read our Bibles, we learn how to fight and what to fight. Amen? We learn how to fight and what to fight. That's why I'm taking this from the Scriptures. I'm taking it from the Bible in the book of Acts. How to fight, what to fight. Let me give you a verse in Ephesians chapter 6. Because you need to know who we're fighting and where the fight is. I'm going to go to the NLT first, Lindsay. I I flipped that on you and didn't tell you. I apologize. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Watch this. It says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. It is not a flesh and blood battle. The enemy wants to trick you to fight in a flesh and blood arena. But you're not supposed to fight in a flesh and blood arena. You're supposed to fight where? Watch what it says. It says in the unseen world, in the dark world, in the heavenly places. You're in a spiritual fight. Don't let him turn it into a flesh fight. Come on. You're tempted to fight with somebody. You're tempted to argue with somebody. You need to be man or woman enough to know that it's a spiritual issue. And you know what? You need to fight to keep the the relationship right. Amen? My wife and I just celebrated 21 years of marriage. Can I I tell you it didn't just happen? We didn't just wake up July, I mean June 21st, and go, ha, 21 years. Praise the Lord. We didn't do that. Listen, we had to fight our way through it. And at times we fought each other. Amen? But we realize now there's a greater fight going on. It's a spiritual fight. Most of the time, the fight that you and your husband or wife are having is usually because of a lie that the enemy's planted in one of your heads. It's a spiritual fight. He's trying to bring division. Amen? Let's read that same verse from the message translation. I love it. It's kind of like street language a little bit. But listen to what it says, verse 10 to 12 in Ephesians 6. It says, and that about wraps it up. God is strong, and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything, say everything, the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Look at your neighbor and say, you better take it serious. It's life or death. I want to read that one more time because I think it's worth reading. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. Life or de- a life or death fight to the finish against the devil. And how many of his angels? All of them. You know what that tells me? That hell's throwing everything it's got at you with one purpose, to steal, kill and destroy and you better take it serious you better take it serious so let's go to the book of Acts this morning. Go with me to Acts chapter 5, verse 17. I want to talk to you about the resistance because all of us are going to face resistance. Anytime you start to take ground for the kingdom of God, anytime you tell somebody your story, anytime you share with them or anytime you give to them or you're generous to them or you serve them, you've got to understand something. You're advancing the kingdom of God on earth. Okay, anytime you're in in line at the truck stop and you buy the person behind you's coffee, you're advancing the kingdom of God. Don't take every little small thing for granted. Sometimes the small things are bigger than the big things. Amen. So every time you love your neighbor, every time you love them like you love yourself, the Bible says that you're advancing the kingdom. And listen to me, when you advance the kingdom of God, you're going to face resistance from the enemy. So his job is to find where advancement is going on and begin to bring resistance. Why? Because he doesn't want the kingdom of God to be established on the earth. So every time, let's say, let's say Ben goes to work and he starts to serve people at his job and he starts to love them and share his story with them, he's starting to advance the kingdom. Well, then here comes the enemy to bring resistance. And then you got, you got Donald over here, who's, he's, he's preaching the gospel at work, he's loving people, advancing the kingdom, then the enemy's got somebody over here to resist him. When you're advancing the kingdom of God, you're going to face resistance. So one of the indicators to know if you're doing what you need to be doing is are you facing resistance? The enemy does not resist a non-threat. Why waste my time on somebody who's not threatening my kingdom? there's a resistance the disciples or the apostles at this time were i mean last week we talked about they were they they had miracles happening and all this and even in men's bible study this week we talked about all the great things and at this point the 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 church the first church the Bible says was at about five thousand men, which translates to ten to fifteen thousand people when you count women and children. So the church is going from three thousand one hundred and twenty in the first meeting to somewhere between ten and fifteen thousand people. Say it's growing. In a short amount of time, it's growing, it's advancing. Well then here comes the resistance. So the apostles get arrested. They're preaching in the temple about Jesus. They're they're giving everybody the plain truth, the honest truth, and they're loving people. And the Bible says that they get arrested and thrown into the public jail with guards outside. Watch this. Chapter 5, verse 17. It says, the high priest and his officials, who were Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Then he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. You need to underline that in your Bibles. The the angel, God sent an angel to the jail. He opened up the doors. He said, come on, boys, you're coming with me. Say, that's authority. The angel opens up the gates. They come with him. He walk out. They go. The angel says to him, says, now go back to the temple. And deliver this. And deliver this. What did they deliver? A message of life. Wow. You just got. But we just got in trouble for that. But we just got arrested for that. But we just faced some resistance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop worrying about the resistance. I'm going to take care of that. You just take care of delivering the message of life. And that's what God has called every one of us to do. You don't need to wonder about what you're supposed to be doing. You just need to be busy about what you're supposed to be doing. And that's delivering the message of life. What is the message of life? Sometimes it's your story. In fact, most times it's your story and how you met Jesus and he changed your life and he took what was dead on the inside and brought it to life and how maybe he turned your marriage around and y'all were on the brink of divorce and, and then things were about to get really nasty and ugly and God turned the whole thing. Whatever your message is, whatever God's done in your life, that's your message of life. Amen? And he's called you to deliver it. So they face resistance. So the angel breaks them out of jail. I think it's a crazy story. I love the Bible because it just gets crazier every time I read it. They, they get broken out of jail by the, by the angel. I'm like, God breaks into jails. Ha, how cool is that? Some of you this morning are in a jail. You're being imprisoned by something that the enemies put on you. Listen to me. There's no jail that God can't break you out of. Amen. There's no prison walls he can't. We sang it this morning, right? I love that song. I wish I could sing because I'd be up here like, there's no shadow he can't light up. There's no wall he can't knock down. I'm just telling you, I'd go crazy on that song if I could sing. But Lisa does a good job. God delivers us from whatever has us bound. To turn around and deliver to others this message of life. You know, if you were an alcoholic at one time and God delivered you from alcoholism, you know what your message of life is? Hey, bro, God can take that away. Hey, bro, you don't need that no more. Look at what he did to me. I was a case a day and couldn't keep the devil away. Look at what he did to me. He delivered me from this. And now this is my message of deliverance. Amen. It reminds me of an old game we used to call capture the flag. How many of you remember the game capture the flag, right? Five of you. Okay. Six, seven. All right. Y'all should have got outside a little bit more. I like that game too. It reminds me of the game of capture the flag. He said it 10 times better than I did. (laughs) Preach preacher (laughs) Capture the flag You have one goal in mind right Somebody's going to die on your team But the goal is to what Capture the flag In the kingdom of God the goal is Deliver the message You're going to suffer You're going to have to duck and jive and, And juke and get away from some things But listen to me Deliver the message You're called to deliver the message are you getting the message? Okay. I think it's funny when I read this story because they get arrested for preaching. They get set free by God to go back and preach. And they're preaching and the officials meet together that morning and they're like, hey, we need to deal with these apostles. Go get them out of jail. I pity the fool that had to come back and tell them they ain't there. Right? It's like, uh, boss, they're not there. Well, where are they? Oh, they're preaching again. So they get arrested again. Wow. So they did what the angel said. They went and they preached the message of life again. And they get rearrested for the same crime twice. Come on, that's, that's a good thing to have on your rap sheet. I got arrested twice for preaching about Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Some of you, I wish my rap sheet looked like that. You see, when people can't put their hands on you because of God's hand on you, it's like pouring gasoline on fire. It just makes things worse. Here's the crazy part. They got arrested for preaching, set free from the jail, to send, sent back to preach, rearrested for preaching, to be put in front of a bunch of educated guys, to preach again. Ha! <laughs> ha! Come on, isn't that crazy? I'm like, God doesn't waste a moment. He doesn't waste an opportunity. Just because somebody calls you into the office doesn't mean that you got to just buckle and bow down. You're there to preach a message. Amen? No matter where you are, preach the message. But you're going to face resistance. One of the greatest indications that you're in the right fight is when you begin to face resistance. Are you facing too much resistance from your bad decisions or are you facing resistance from trying to love on people, trying to share with them the love of God? If you're facing resistance for advancing the kingdom, then look at me. Keep going. Don't quit. God's with you. And if they lock you up, he'll deliver you. And if they bring you back in, he'll give you a pulpit to preach from. Come on, somebody. Don't quit. Keep going. Amen. The second thing. Is the scattering. So the first thing is the resistance that we see. The second thing is the scattering. Now watch this. I need to remind you of something before we go into the next verse. Go back with me to Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Because Jesus said something that you need to see he fulfills right here in chapter 8. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Watch what it says. But you will receive what? Okay, let's try it again. But you will receive what? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Watch, he gives some very specific places. In Jerusalem, which is where they were, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, when Jesus gets specific about something, he has to come back around and fulfill it specifically. Amen? Jesus doesn't, he doesn't exaggerate, and he doesn't use words loosely. Like we do, he says, if it's going to be Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, you can bank your money on it. It's going to be Jerusalem, Judea, and then Samaria. If you're going to fight the right fight, you're going to need to have power. You can't fight if you don't have power. How do believers receive power? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why do you need the Holy Spirit? Because you need power. Amen? You need power. You can't win when you're weak and powerless. He says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power for what? Power to stand, power to fight, power to be bold. Power to have some courage, power to, power to overcome the lies of the enemy, power to forgive your enemies, power to just keep on going. You need power. Look at your neighbor and say, I need power. Now go with me to Acts chapter 8. So watch how this plays out, starting in verse 1. I'm going to catch you up with the story. I preached a message on Stephen about a month ago. And by the way, if you want to listen to any of these messages, you can go to our app. Download our app or you can go to oscconnect.com and listen to some of the previous messages from the series. Anytime you want to, to catch up. But I preached a message on Stephen a couple weeks back. And so I'm not going to preach Stephen again, but I'm going to give you the short version of what happened with Stephen. So Stephen was selected to be a bread man, to pass out food, right? So he's passing out food. God's using him to do signs, miracles, and wonders. People get, the religious people get jealous. They, they arrest him. They bring him in. God gives him the, the, the words to say. He begins to preach a long message that just tears the religious folks apart. They get so mad that they drag him outside to stone him. And we talked about how they used to stone people back in those days. They had a stoning pit, and it was a pit made with rocks, and at the top was these big boulders. And they would cast you into the pit, and then they would start to roll these big boulders on you to crush you. If that didn't crush you, they would then grab smaller stones that they could throw and begin to crack them across you to try and finish you off. Pretty gruesome death. Well, the Bible says that when Stephen was thrown into the pit, or when he was outside being stoned, he was standing. In fact, it says at one point he took a knee to pray. So think about this that this is the the image I can't get out of my mind about Stephen. He's taking licks for the kingdom while he's praying for the people that are throwing them. That's big, that's power to forgive. And in that moment, when he's about to take his last breath, Stephen says, Lord, please forgive them for what they're doing. Wow. Wow. And then he says, I see heaven open. And Jesus is standing at the right hand of the father. I think Stephen could just go on to what he was going on to because he knew that Jesus was standing with him. Amen. And Stephen died. You might say, "Well, man, Pastor, we lost that fight." Oh no, we didn't. You can't lose when your eternity is secure. You can't lose when you know where you're going. You just got a advanced promotion. Come on, somebody, you got the heck out of dodge. I mean, you got like I'm. I'm, I'm moving on up. I'm George and Weezy ain't got nothing on me. They can take my life, but I'm moving on up, right? Not to the east, anyway. So so all of a sudden, there's a guy there named Saul, and you need to pay attention to that because we're going to come to Saul later on in another message. But Saul is is standing there basically agreeing with everything that these people are doing to Stephen. And we pick up in chapter 8, verse 1. I want to talk to you about the scattering. First, we face resistance, and then sometimes things get so bad that they scatter us, and God uses the scattering. So watch this, chapter 8, verse 1. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church, watch this, in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Verse 4. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Say wherever. Wherever. Thanks for the napkin. I don't know why I don't grab one on my own. I asked the doctor. I said, is it okay for me to sweat this much? He said, yeah, you can sweat. I said, well, thanks, doc. I don't know why I told you that. But watch this. Persecution, first comes resistance. Then comes persecution. I mean, first comes resistance, which is in the form of persecution. Then comes the scattering. There comes a time where you do have to run. There comes a time where you do have to move away from this situation. Walk out. Try something different. There comes that time for every one of us. If you're being abused by somebody, I'm not telling you to stay there. I'm telling you to get out of Dodge because you don't need to be abused. Amen? So you've got to be wise. So, so, so here comes the scattering. They're facing persecution. Saul is going around dragging them out of houses and throwing them in jail. If you claim to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you were drug out of your house and thrown into jail. So watch this. The believers start to scatter. Where do they go? From Jerusalem to Judea. From Judea to Samaria. And eventually what? To Eunice, Louisiana. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it made it all the way over here. Right from the first scattering. Are you seeing this? Just because the enemy threw a bomb in the middle of your battle doesn't mean that he wins. It just means you get scattered and to go somewhere else and to keep preaching the gospel. Capture the flag. Preach the message. Amen? Keep on preaching. What's it about? The message. The message of life. Persecution and trouble should propel us to move forward, not backwards. If you get run out, go to the next place preaching the good news. If the people at your job don't like you talking about what Jesus did in your life, keep doing it until they fire you. And when they fire you, trust that God's going to bring you to another place to tell them about what Jesus is doing in your life. You just tell them what Jesus is doing and Jesus is going to take care of your bills. Is that plain enough? (laughs) You just do what Jesus tells us to do. Preach the message of life. Wherever life takes you, Don't make the best of it. Bring the best with you. Amen? We've we've, we've started to settle as a church. Oh, I got fired. I'll go to another job. I'll just make the best of it. What? What? Bring the best with you. I was on a job one time, and I hated, I'll be honest with you, I hated the job. It was, I was building Highway 165 going through Kinder, Louisiana, working for a, a big company called Gilchrist. Big company. got pushed all the time. The superintendent I worked for was the worst guy I've ever worked for in my whole life. He, he, he was just, he was demonic. And the Lord told me to take the job. I took the job. And the Lord said, because there was plenty of times in there where I wanted to quit. And the Lord said, you're not quitting until they open the road. I said, that's going to be a while. He said, yeah, I know. You'll be all right. At one point, I got to a point where he pushed me so hard, I got off the machine. I went over there. I handed him his keys. I wanted to punch him in the nose. And I said, you can have your little job. I'm gone. I went home. I got Cheryl. We were mad. I was mad. She was, didn't know what was going on. We, were, we didn't have a job, but we went out to eat. Didn't make any sense, right? Just got fired, we're going to celebrate. Let's go get a steak. That's how we do. Come on, y'all know how we are. You get fired, I'm going to eat it away. <laughs> steak, potato, and bluebell, baby. We gonna. That's what happens when you become a Christian. You don't drink it off, you eat it off, right? <laughs> that's sin too. Uh, anyway, <laughs> just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, so we're eating supper for some ungodly reason. And I'm in the middle of telling all that went on with this guy. And the Holy Spirit interrupted our, lunch, our, our supper, and he said to me, go get your job back. I'm not done with you. Now, I didn't order humble pie, but I got a dose of humble pie. And the next morning, I walked up to the man that I quit, and I said, and boy, I had to take one on the chin. I walked up to him. I said, "Uh, can I have my job back. And he went, you need the money, huh? Bit the tip of my tongue off. I was like, "Mm, I just need my job back. Can I have my job back? He said, yeah, you can have your job back. said, I'm sorry for walking out on you yesterday. All right, get your butt on that machine and get to work. You know what my last day was? My last day was when they pulled the barricades down and they opened up the road. I was there to deliver the message of life. I had a big old, I remember that it was during that job, I got filled with the Holy Spirit and that power came on me like I've been telling you about. Y'all you have know, heard me share the story of Grape Ape, the guy that was bigger than me. We called him Grape Ape. Me and Grape Ape were standing on the railroad tracks in Kendall, Louisiana, and I'm witnessing to this brother telling him about Jesus and leading him to Christ. My example and the words I used and the, and the standard I live by said something to everybody on that job site. There was moment after moment after moment to deliver the message of life. Are you getting this this morning? It didn't didn't matter what my situation was. It just mattered that I did what God wanted me to do. Don't focus on the trouble. Focus on the message. Amen? Don't let trouble discourage you. Let it encourage you. I see trouble now when the enemy comes against me like he's been coming the last couple of months. I'll be honest with you. There's times I get overwhelmed and I go, man, I want to quit. But thank God there's people praying for me because I realize I'm facing resistance and I'm facing trouble because the kingdom is advancing. Amen. Because it's advancing. If Jesus warned us that there would be trouble, then he also prepares us to deal with it. Another reason you need to read your Bible. I don't know about you, but it seems like when the message is delivered, it's a win. It's a win. You don't have to worry about the results of the message. You just need to deliver the message. Just, you just got to be like UPS, baby. Just drop it off. Right, knock on the door. Hey, got a package for you. You want to sign right here? Have a good day. And then God takes in and he takes over and he does something with that. Amen? That's so what he does. So let me give you the why real quick. I'm going to wrap it up. It's important to know how to fight and when to fight and what to fight. Sometimes we need others in our life. Close enough to help us understand that the fight we are in. Sometimes you need people to help you identify with fights you're in. Amen. You need that. You say, I need other people. We're not in a defensive position. We're taking the fight to the enemy by delivering the message of life. You want to stir some things up in your life? Start to take the message of life into the world that you currently are in and watch and see if God doesn't eventually change that world that you're in because you delivered the message enough. You don't like your job? Preach your way out. (laughs) Preach your way out. Stop Stop fussing about the boss and start preaching your way out. Here's a crazy thing: the world needs what it don't want. While we have what it needs, this message of life, the message still has to be delivered. You can have the message and not deliver it. Are you hearing me this morning? We all have the message of life. If you were saved for five minutes, you have a message of life. It needs to be delivered. We learned last week, and I really encourage you, if you weren't here, to listen to last week's message. We talked, about, we talked about just delivering the message. Don't worry about what to say, how to say it, when to say it. Just show up and go. And God's going to use you to do something incredible. Our vision here is to reach people and build lives. The only way that ever happens is when we deliver the message wherever God places us to deliver the message. We've got a serve day coming up July 7th, next Saturday. I encourage you to sign up for serve day. Why? Because it's an opportunity for us to collectively as a church, go and deliver the message to the city of Eunice. Amen. That's one way. If you're you're not confident in how to just come with us, We're we're going to serve the message out to people, Right. Here's the last one. Come on, Virginia. This lost and dying world, you know what it needs? You might say Jesus. You might say God. The world needs God. It needs Jesus. Yep, I agree. How's it going to get it? Through your story. You don't need to know scripture. You just need to know your story and how God came into your life and turned things around you just take that story and you share it with whoever God puts in front of you. Amen. It's not complicated. Share it with everything that's breathing and watch what God does.